Hello and welcome to the Riverside Church podcast. This week's sermon is read by Stuart Bell and it's entitled Elijah on the Run. Will you welcome Stuart, please? Thank you. Well, that's, uh, that's really wonderful. Thank you. It's a, a privilege to be here. I don't take it for granted and I'm really uh, happy to be with you. Uh, beginning a new year is always an interesting time, isn't it? You've, uh, even as I think it was Ernie was saying a minute or two ago, you get through Christmas, you've eaten a lot, and then it's back to school, and it's back into the real world. And, and sometimes uh, as we begin a new year, uh, you're not sure whether you should make New Year's resolutions for fear that after a few weeks you're, you're back to normal. But there is something, isn't there, at the beginning of the year when you want to take stock on things and you want to be moving forward and you want to get the best out of the year ahead. And as Christians, we often give ourselves to times of prayer or seasons of reflection and think about the future and certainly uh, in, in Alive, in Lincoln, and those that we're responsible for, we're thinking a lot about health. And, you know, it is, isn't it, in our world at the moment, well-being is a big issue. And we know that in our region, actually, there are lots of issues to do with mental health and loneliness and um, suicides and so on. And and sometimes we think in terms of the church that because we're Christians, we're exempt from uh, pressures and problems and, you know, in Christ we're more than conquerors and so on. But actually, I think as we enter into a new year, it's good for us to just uh, recognize that though we are followers of Christ, we all have our uh, different weaknesses, strengths and weaknesses, and there are seasons in our lives, aren't there? And uh, as I reflect on my life, there have been sort of mountaintop experiences. I remember some years ago, uh, it was actually when Grapevine, now known as the one event, when Grapevine, it was the day before people were going to come together. And I remember Irene and I were sitting, sat in the big top, and we were sort of reflecting, and we were getting a little bit nostalgic, because... The older you get, the you move a bit from the prophetic to the nostalgic, and you just tell stories. And so we were chatting together, and we were saying, you know, hasn't God been kind? You know, we've, it's as though our lives have been touched with his presence. We've got wonderful kids, grandchildren, and so on. And, and we were saying, isn't it remarkable that in rural Lincolnshire, uh, when we thought things were dead, now thousands are going to be coming on the showground. And we were talking like this and thanking God for the... If you like the hilltop experiences, the mountaintop experiences. But I also remember saying, you know, uh, that um, often we get those mountaintop experiences to strengthen us for other days. And it was almost like a prophetic thing that we chatted about because it wasn't long after that little episode that it felt as all hell was let loose in various dimensions. We lost... Uh, Irene and I lost our parents quite quickly and we found that a, a, a very difficult time and then Irene had to have major back surgery and uh, she's got uh, screws in her back and she's uh, bionic and uh, she went through that and then we, some of you know the story of how we had to face at the time our youngest son at the age of 16 contracted cancer and we had to walk through a season of darkness 
And so in our life, we've had those seasons that have been blessed when you would stand up in a Christian meeting and declare how good God is. But then there would be seasons of pressure and darkness. And I'm wired a little bit um, with the melancholy that runs through me a little. So if you have a bad Sunday, watch out Monday morning. I, I can be difficult to live with. Everything's falling apart, nothing's working, and you lose your perspective. And I don't know what your story is, but I guess all of us have got systems and times in our lives, seasons in our lives, when we reflect and we thank God for the good things. But for all of us, uh, as Christians, we're not exempt, are we, from the pressures of life? And as we come into a new year, I, uh, I believe it's so important that we as churches and as followers of Christ do all that we can to make sure we're whole and well and healthy. And um, I believe we're learning more and more that our spiritual condition and the way that we are with the Lord um, isn't just in a compartment, the kind of spiritual bit and then the rest. We are whole people and we have to approach life recognizing that our physical condition will reflect on how we are spiritually our relationships will uh, come to play in that wholeness issue in our lives and emotions and mental stability and so on. We are, the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. And sometimes we're a bit complex, aren't we? And uh, sometimes we can swing, if we're not careful, from a devoted follower of Jesus to someone who's really questioning a lot of issues in life. And I'm going to bring us to a passage from the Bible that I hope will be a real encouragement to us. Uh, this chapter is not meant to depress us. It is actually to show us that even people who move in tremendous power, even prophets from the Old Testament, after days of victory, can find themselves really under pressure mentally, physically, and uh, here's a passage that I think will show us that um, prophets of old were not exempt from feelings, were not exempt from pressures and issues that uh, robbed them of their joy and of their pleasure in life. And as I go through this story, my prayer is that one or two things that I share will connect with your story so that we will leave this place uh, just recognizing that uh, we've got a new perspective on who we are, on God's grace in our lives. And the beauty is the longer you live, the more that you recognize that the same God that's with you on the mountaintops really is with you in the valleys and through the pressure points in life. And some of the most meaningful and uh, the closest seasons that I have personally had with the Lord have perhaps been in the darker days rather than the days that have been bathed in light. So let me read the passage, and then I want to just go through a few things. That my prayer is that the Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm going to pray, that the Holy Spirit will connect this passage with your life today that will bring help and strength, encouragement. And for some who find themselves in the same place uh, that Elijah finds himself, we'll look at that story in a minute or two, uh, my prayer will be that you will find health and wholeness and blessing. And for some people, come out of darkness today as you trust the Lord. So can we pray together? 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful church and thank you for this occasion where we can magnify your name. And Lord, today is a day when the sun's shining. It is a novelty, Lord, and we're grateful for it. And we thank you, Lord, uh, that today in the sunshine here, uh, when perhaps all seems well, we pray that you are a God that started the journey with us and that you will never, ever leave us or forsake us. And my prayer today is that through your divine word, Lord, uh, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, will you connect some of these thoughts into our life stories this morning to bring us hope and health in Jesus' name. Amen. So my passage today is from 1 Kings chapter 19. It's a familiar little story, and I'll read the, the chapter to us, and, uh, or nine verses of the chapter to us, and then we'll look at this story together. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. I'd like to talk about Elijah on the run, or man of God in meltdown. Here is the prophet who has been used mightily and powerfully by God. And uh, he is not a stranger to the miraculous. He's known the power and the presence of God. And what I want to show out of this particular story is this. It's very, very important that we are vigilant after times of success. After those mountaintop experiences when things have gone wrong, right, and we, we feel that we've had some breakthroughs, it's after those seasons of good things and the power of God that I believe we really need to be quite vigilant. We need to understand that we will not always be in those seasons of huge success. You see, this story begins after a huge period of success for Elijah. Elijah had done battle with the prophets of Baal. We could spend a morning on that, couldn't we? Incredible victories over paganism, over the powers of evil. And you remember the story of how the, the sacrifice that Elijah had placed there was consumed by fire miraculously. You would think, wouldn't you, had you witnessed the power of God miraculously light up a sacrifice, you'd be fine for life. You'd expect that you would 
never be afraid. In fact, fear was not a thing that Elijah knew at all in that season of his life. He was not afraid, even though all these prophets of Baal were against him. He was not fearful. He was brave. He was the epitome of courageous follower of God, Elijah the man of power. You could picture him, in fact, if you go to the Holy Land today, and I've been on Mount Carmel, and there's a statue there of Elijah with a sword, and everything about him is strong, everything about him is courageous. He was powerful as a prophet. Not only had he had victory over the prophets of Baal, but also he'd had the the honour of prophesying incredibly accurately about the weather. I've never had that gift. You know, whenever one event comes round, we always put the intercessors on to prayer. And for nearly 40 years, we've had mixed success. But here was a man that God said, according to your word, there's going to be a drought. And it's going to last, and it actually lasted over three years. But according to your word, Elijah, you're going to speak the word and the rain's going to come. Imagine being a prophet with that kind of power. It must have been marvelous to get up in the morning. I'm I'm Elijah, I'm a prophet of God. And he gets up in the morning and God says to him, right, the drought's going to stop, but it's up to you to speak to Ahab. And you go to Ahab again. He's filled with incredible courage. He goes to Ahab and, uh, and actually Ahab says, you troubler of Israel. And you can imagine Elijah standing up on the inside and saying, yeah, I'm a troubler of Israel. I want to do the will of God. I want to see the power of God. So he had been in a huge season of success. He'd known what it was to declare the rain is coming. Wasn't it great to be able to say the rain is coming? You remember that story of the cloud the size of a man's hand? Again, I had the privilege of standing on the spot, looking over the Mediterranean, and when I looked over the Mediterranean, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and it reminded me of this story that uh, as the servant was sent out, The servant goes out. Elijah says, God has said the rain is coming. He sends the servant out. The servant goes the first time, comes back, and he says, the sky is blue. Comes back the second time. The sky is blue. There isn't a cloud in the sky. How would you have felt as a prophet that said the rain is coming and you send your servant over and over and over again and there's no sign of rain? I think I'd say... Well, we prophesy in part. (laughs) I might have said, perhaps I got it wrong. But the prophet says, go out again. And the beautiful thing about that story is, on the seventh time, the servant goes out and he says, actually, I can see something. This is almost humorous, isn't it? In the vastness of the Mediterranean sky, he said, I can see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, that's all I was looking for. We'd better be moving quickly. And the Bible says the sky darkened and there came a deluge from heaven. If you've been in the power encounters with Baal and you've been able to declare the rains coming and you've seen the floods come and you've seen the power of God and you're filled with courage, you'd think that's how I live every day of my life. 
You know, I would say in my experience, I've had some really good times when I knew it was the power of God on my life. I remember speaking in a citywide event in Pittsburgh with thousands of people who for a long period of time, every night came out and there was the presence of God and people were filled with the Spirit. And I remember thinking, nobody in Lincoln's seeing this. I wish people could be here. I wish they could see this thing. I knew it was nothing to do with me I was just in the right place at the right time declaring the word of the Lord but I saw things with my own eyes and at that period of time I'd have got up in the morning and in fact I said this over the phone to Irene who was at home I said this is what I'm born for and I wish that every day was mountaintop don't you and you will have your mountaintop experiences but notice this story here's Elijah And my first thing is that be vigilant after times of success. Elijah had won victory over the prophets. He'd accurately prophesied over the nation. But now, for some reason, he's going to spiral downwards. Well, what was it that caused this great man of God to suddenly uh, begin to have real questions about his life? Well, verse 2 tells us this. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Here Jezebel says, You killed, or the prophets of Baal were killed, by this time tomorrow you're a dead man. Well, if you've uh, stood against all the prophets and you've seen the power of God, what's the deal with this Jezebel woman speaking a word which was a curse over him. Well, I think you all know where I'm going with this, but isn't it very true that evil words carry great power? You will have experienced this. You know, perhaps when I was growing up in school, this idea, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never harm you. It is just not, not true. Because all of us will know that the Bible says that uh, there's power of life and death in the tongue. How many of us have known and thank God for the encouragement that Sue was able to give our friend this morning who was a little bit depressed? Encouragement, strength. We've all experienced that, haven't we, when somebody comes to you and they speak it. I want to say across the church here, speak words of encouragement on a regular basis. Pick people up. But we also know what it's like, don't we, to have a word that's spoken and all of a sudden it takes a hold of us somehow. I've had that in my life two or three times really powerfully. When all of a sudden, even in a time when you felt good in God, all of a sudden something grips you so strongly that a fear begins to get hold of the inner parts of your life. And that's happened to me occasionally by... Words that on the surface you'd think, well, that didn't mean much. Or an accusation that was brought in some way and you think, well, you know, this isn't true, so this can't have any hold on me. But I think all of us will recognise that when words of discouragement or words or curses are spoken over us, they can have tremendous power in our lives. I remember a math teacher saying to me, you are no good at maths. You will never, ever be any good at maths. Imagine saying that today in schools. Folks, I've never been good at maths. 
It's a thing that I just assumed that that word was true. Now, thank the Lord, I don't need to think about algebra at the moment. But the point is this. These words from this satanic woman actually brought an incredible fear upon this man of God. So evil words carry great power. But what we see in verse 3 is this. Fear and anxious thoughts can cause us to run and hide. Here it says, Elijah was afraid. This is the man of courage. This is the man of power for the hour. This is the prophet of God who was stood and being counted. One word spoken into his life in a day of success brings him to a place of incredible fear. And it says, and ran for his life. Ran for his life. Fear and anxious thoughts can do that. And sometimes we get the idea, well, I'm a Christian now, you know, and we hear the angel over and over again saying, fear not, fear not, fear not. It's interesting, isn't it? Revelation into people's life. Often the fear issue needs to be dealt with first to be able to receive the word fear. Now, I don't think Elijah had known much about fear, but fear suddenly came into his life. Can I just say that because we're Christians doesn't mean that we will be exempt from those sometimes spiritual attacks, sometimes those emotional and mental things that play on our minds, the, the pressures of our day, or the inner thoughts that we've perhaps not got hold of, and those shadow areas of our lives can suddenly become very dark areas. Fear actually causes us to lose perspective. This prophet who'd had a perspective, God is God and I'm speaking on his behalf. Now his perspective is this woman has spoken and I've got to run for my life. He'd actually taken hold of that curse and it had become a part of his life. Can I say if there are people here, stuff has been spoken over your life. Don't allow fear to enter into your heart. This can happen with a, with a diagnosis over a sickness. This can happen over a a word that somebody kindly said, I'm telling you this in love. And the last thing that is there is love. And a word that's spoken that's critical and it's touched your heart and, you've, and, and the very thing that God was using you for has been questioned in your life and you're now finding that you're losing perspective. And I believe in this moment of time, those imaginary uh, storylines were playing out in Elijah's heart, thinking, yeah, this time tomorrow, this time tomorrow. I've spoken to people who've had kind of almost death wishes on the heart, you know, like I'll not make it past 30. Uh, it's stuff that the enemy has sown, and it's like a, an imaginary play on what's this going to be like for most of us in the daytime hours, you know, we can get a perspective that's reasonable. But I tell you what, you wake up in the middle of the night and you start to go through the track of the possibilities. And the older you get and the more you think, you know, 
I am not as healthy as I used to be. And you hear those little words, how much longer are we going to be in the ministry? And some people, when they talk about transitions, they think it's an easy business. But I'll tell you, it's not an easy business when you've known that you've run with the hand of God on you and you know you have to hand things on and you have to do things. But then the enemy will say, oh, well, you'll be obsolete pretty, pretty soon. Your voice doesn't count too much today. And so Elijah is now running through those anxious thoughts and he wants to get away from it. It may be I'm speaking today to people that have uh, been pretty healthy in their life, but you've hit a period in your life where you're beginning to feel, I, I want to run from stuff. I, I, I don't want to be in this uh, relationship or I don't want to be in church any longer. It's too much like hard work. And for some, it's a midlife crisis. For others, it's a, a season of darkness. But maybe today I'm speaking to someone and you're running storylines in your mind of imaginary shadow areas and fear and anxious thoughts have caused you to run and to hide. But actually, as you go through this story, uh, that fear begins to work out its story and there are ways, I believe, that Elijah could have stopped the rot, but he didn't. He went with it and it says he ran for his life and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. This is a big dip, isn't it? And he now, instead of checking things, instead of getting some help, he actually begins to embrace the problem to such a degree that he uh, leaves his servant and goes a day's journey into the desert. So here's an important point, isn't it? Don't face things on your own. He left his servant I, I read this and I, I felt the power of it. He himself went into the desert. He carried everything that was in his heart. He could have done with a little counsel and a little help. He could have received a word that would have lifted him out, but he made a choice. And I believe that he entered into what today we might call a little pity party, where he, he says, you know, uh, I'm kind of, I'm going to go under the tree and he starts to pray. This is a pray. Don't pray this kind of prayer, Lord, I just want to die. How had he dipped so far? But there was a contributing factor where instead of standing against that cursed word, he let that word work out in his life. So he left someone, a relationship, and went on his own, with his own thoughts, into the wilderness, and he sits under, lays under a broom tree, and says, I want to die. I can't say I've been there, but I can say there have been days when I've asked the question, is it worth it? Do I need this? Um, I'm misunderstood. I remember, this is quite some time ago, I... I actually had a, had a heart condition and I was under treatment from a consultant and I remember I'd received quite a lot of prayer and um, to no avail. 
And, uh, and so I'm playing storylines in my life you know, this thing's going to take me out, you know, uh, this condition is serious, and so on, and it became a fear thing with me. I remember I went to some ministry people and said, you know, I've got, I've got stuff to do, and I, I need some prayer, and I got the best to pray for me, and nothing seemed to happen. And then one day, and I tell this story because this happened to me just up the road, one day I went to a meeting in Kellam Hall, and a lady called Jean Darnell was there. Jean Darnell, some of you know that name. She recently went to be with the Lord in her 90s. But Jean Darnell was speaking at this meeting, and I heard about her healing ministry. And she was in the same church as a lady called Amy Semple McPherson. If you Google that, she saw miracles again. I've been to that church and looked at the cabinets with all the... Um, all the regalia of, um, of walking sticks and plasters and, and people's names where people were dramatically healed by the power of God. And I'm thinking, well, there's a good heritage there. I'll get some prayer from, from Jean. I didn't know her at the time. She became like a spiritual mother to me later in life. But I remember as uh, she finished her talk... And she said this, she said, well, I've gone on a little longer than this is what most pastors and leaders do, and I'm perhaps doing it now. Uh, she said, I've gone on a little bit long, so uh, there's no time to pray for anybody who's sick. And I remember the dip I felt. It was like, oh, well, you know, I've had all these prayers, and now there's no time for prayer. I remember the dip in my spirit. It was like, oh, boy. I felt really, really low. And then she said this, however, if you have come to be healed by Jesus today, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. This is what she prayed. She said, for anyone who's come to be healed today, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, receive your healing now. When she said the word now, it was like the power of God went through my life and from that day till this day, I've been healed of what was a condition that I was under a consultant for. And I was healed. But I'll tell you what went was not just the physical stuff. It was the fear lifted off my heart, lifted off my life. And so here, um, don't face things on your own. This spiral that took place, a spiral downwards where he's saying... Lord, take me home. Again, for some people here, they'll say, what on earth is he talking about? I never feel like that. You know, I'm, I'm um, not wired that way. I'm not a depressive type, type of person. But what I do want to say is there are many people today, particularly young men in our region, that feel this kind of stuff on a regular basis. They don't know the roots are spiritual. They don't know how tied up all of our physical mental, emotional, relationship things are to do with spiritual health. They don't understand that. But I do believe this is a message for today. And we find Elijah, the man of God, I think, burnt out, exhausted, asleep under a tree. Which leads me on to something that I think we sometimes miss in the Christian world, and it's this. Don't underestimate the need for physical health. Physical health. What happens here is that uh, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he 
lay down under the tree and fell asleep. I think he was totally exhausted. And then it says, all at once an angel touched him and said... Now, I would have imagined the angel touching him would say something pretty dramatic, something of a great revelationary order. But the angel didn't say that. He said, get up and eat. This is more significant than I think we realize. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. I believe there's a picture here. Who, who would like lunch prepared by an angel? It was not wasted. It seems almost menial, doesn't it? You'd have thought the angel, the messenger of God, was going to just zap him. Put his hand on his head and say, boy, get out of your depression. But he didn't. He, says, he said, get up. You're exhausted. I've got a nice meal for you. And I think the angel took time in the preparation and the giving of that meal and the drinking of that water so that Elijah begins to understand you cannot run on empty. You can't just keep dashing on the thing, even the things of God. You can't day after day after day, like some wound out battery kid, keep on moving forward in the will of God. You can't do it. That's why God has set principles in his earth. One of them Sabbath. One of them is a day in seven. Most Christians don't bother with that. Most Christians say, well, if Christ's in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But actually, we're not designed just to run and empty. And the angel feeds him. And guess what happens next? No huge revelation. He goes back to sleep. He goes back to sleep a second time. And I want to say to perhaps people here, take some time. Not to, I'm not here. I don't want anybody to take this and say, well, the Lord spoke me today. I, I need less church meetings. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about... A rhythm in our lives where we can get some peace and time with God. Where we can not say, I want to be on my own and shun uh, the relationships because those very relationships can unlock our hearts and help us. We were never meant to be isolated and just doing our own thing. The relational aspect of church is so vitally important. So many people want to run on their own, and we're not designed for that. And maybe there's just one or two people here, you've hit rock bottom. Perhaps you're, you're out in your business world day after day after day. You've got your mind spilling over with all kinds of strategy and stuff. And you're finding that actually your mental ability is out of perspective. And there's a need for the grace of God on your life today as I'm speaking. So don't underestimate the need for physical health. The angel cooked him a meal and told him to rest. And I think we've lived in a world where we thought, well, it doesn't really matter what you eat. It doesn't really matter what your weight is. It doesn't really matter. It's all spiritual. No, we are wrapped up physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally wonderful. And when Jesus in his ministry speaks over people's lives, usually he doesn't just take the symptoms off someone or uh, make them or heal them. Normally, he speaks, be made whole, whole. 
where every dimension of our lives are touched by the power of God. I think there are many people in ministry, one-dimensional, think it's all about this, it's all about that, and they don't invest in relationship, and they don't invest in friendship, and they don't invest in good rest, and they don't eat wisely. And I'm just here to provoke a little bit to say, I think in my own life, at the beginning of 2020, if we need 2020 vision, we've got to be healthy the best we can. We've got to be in a place where God can use us. And for some, it needs a little more sleep, a little more discipline with regard to going times in bed, and a little bit more discipline with regard to this running in the rat race to make stuff happen. I'm nearly through. But the truth is this, God wants to strengthen and bless us. God wants to come close to us. He doesn't want us to be running on empty. He wants to be our source of life. Uh, I believe John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in all of its fullness. I believe God offers holistic life, every dimension, every area, Sometimes we've just defined it as I'm saved spiritually. But let's live life to the full. Let's engage with people. Let's live a wholesome life, not just in order that we go to heaven, but in order that the kingdom of God comes in all of its glory, beauty, and fullness. God wants to strengthen and bless us. And my final comment here, which is from verse 9, there he went into a cave and spent the night. Don't spend long in your man cave. Don't just lock yourself away. You know that man cave thing? It's only a very relatively new uh, little word because it's based on the complexity over the last number of years where men particularly, though there are women caves and so on, but uh, just want to be on my own. I don't want the kids messing this room up. This is my little personal space. All of that may be appropriate, but don't stay there too long because we're not designed to be in caves. We're designed to be in fellowship and in relationship. And if you follow the story through, it's not long after the sleep, after the new energy levels that he's recommissioned and actually his his time is not through. You know, the time that Jezebel had spoken of, the ticking clock, it passes it by, it never happened Some of the things that we assume are going to happen, they will never happen in your life. They're just imaginary things, fleeting things. And Jezebel, instead of her declaring a curse on Elijah, we all, we've read the book, we know that Jezebel's end was not a pleasant one. So thank the Lord for his grace and his goodness in the hilltop experiences, the mountain experiences, but also in the valley experiences. But can I encourage us at the beginning of this year to do some health checks? How are you doing physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally? How are you? How are you? You know, as a pastor, I, I sometimes think it's a little bit trite. On Sundays, I try to talk to as many people as I can. And the problem is sometimes I say, just out of habit, how are you doing? But I've got to be ready when they're not doing well, haven't I? I, I don't want to just be glib about this thing called life. If somebody's hurting, we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so I would love to pray. And you know, when you're under a tree, 
Uh, you, you don't want to be exposed too much. But I tell you this, there's two possibilities this morning out of what I've said. There's somebody perhaps here and this is your message today and you need the grace of God on your life and God's addressed certain things in your life. We're going to bow our heads and I'm going to invite you just to raise your hand and I'll just pray for you. The second thing I would say is that if, um, if you can't talk to anyone at the moment and life is pretty rough and it might be one or two people who find themselves... You've been in times of victory, but you're not now. Please, 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 don't leave here. Do a journey into the desert. Um, cut off a relationship. There's too many Christians in the body of Christ have done this. There are far too many Christians don't go. They don't go to church these days. Somebody hurt me. Somebody said something. Some word that's gripped your heart even for years. I talk to people who left church years ago and they say, they say, I'll say, why did you leave? Well, it was somebody said. And I'll, I'll tell you what, don't allow some Jezebel to prevent your life from flourishing. So let's bow our heads. If there's anybody here today and you're saying this is addressing, some of these things is addressing exactly where I am today, I just think for your benefit and help as every head is bowed because we certainly don't want to expose anyone. But if you, would, if you would say today, I would value a simple prayer of freedom into my experience today, I wonder if you'd just lift your hand and say, pray for me. Okay. Well, there are a good many people. And I just want to say God sees not just your hand, but he sees your heart, sees your condition. Hey, here's some good news. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't say to you, well, if you'd been a better this or a better that, he doesn't do that. But he comes with his love and with his grace. And maybe some messenger... <laughs> An angel touches you and says, what you need is some good night's sleep, a reflection on where you're at, some meals with the family, and re-energizing for the way ahead. For some, it may mean talk to a friend, talk to a leader. It's not weakness to admit that you're in need. So as I pray this, I wonder as a, just an act of uh, just those who've raised your hands, would you raise your hand one more time and in this receive something today. Receive, receive something from God. In the name of Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, according to this word, your word, Lord, there are people here that are in need today of your grace. Some people are on overload. Some people are doubting. Some people are, they're almost on the edge. Some may have prayed some things like, do I belong here? Those kind of things. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I release you from those words over your life. I release you from those wandering thoughts and imaginary stories about your future. And I break that off in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare and I speak over you, be made whole. Receive it. It's real stuff this morning. 
receive Holy Spirit presence. Be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I pray that joy will start to rise up again. I pray, Lord, before this night's out, that some people that were sat under trees will have a good meal and a good rest, and they'll be back on their feet soon, serving the living God. I pray the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit over you and over this whole church in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen. And if there's one person and you're saying, I can't do that, it's too bad you don't know how bad it is, please talk to someone. I bless you. Thank you so much for the honor. God bless.